Hey everyone, and welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that is my wife, as always, Liberty. We're a married couple with different interests, and we try to bring each other into our hobbies by discussing the latest news in both books and sports. Today is the sports episode. And we're in a weird situation where because of your work, because we're taking a week off from the podcast slash visiting my family this next weekend, we're recording a day early, but the episode's coming out on the normal day. It threw a spin into a lot of my soccer talk because usually speaking, the Sunday morning games are done by the time we record. Right. So we'll be slightly behind normal, but that's what social media is for. This is true. As always, we'll have those linked in the show notes, so make sure you check those out while we will be gone for about a week because your birthday is this next week. My grandmother's birthday is two days after yours, so we're going to go up and visit my family. And I think we're probably going to start our new weird secret side project maybe this week. We'll find out. We have all the equipment finally. I think it's funny that this so-called secret project has gotten like zero green lights from me, but we're going ahead. Well, with or without you, I guess. (laughs) It would just be weird if it was me, though, I feel like. But as always, we will start this week's sports news with the NHL, the only tolerable sport. I think I called it last time. Yeah, so this week we partnered a little bit on the NHL notes, and in turn, I have a thing, because we both wrote pretty much the same notes to the notes. Well, the same thing happened. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) It's not like one NHL has all the news and the other NHL has none of the news. On top of that, it was kind of a slow-er news week for the NHL. At least I feel like it was. That felt like that was the case for all the sports as I was taking my notes, but also some of the notes I wrote at like 8 this morning, so who knows? Right. So I guess we'll start on a little bit of COVID news to get the nasty out of the way. Right. So the NHL Players Association warned unvaccinated players could lose their pay. The union announced that teams will have the ability to withhold pay from the player if NHL COVID-19 protocols are broken by said player or that said player tests positive for COVID-19. So that's a fun time. I feel like that should have been the case like... Already? 18 months ago. Yeah. So like you should already have been able to take away money from players if they break protocols and then get sick. Like first for breaking the protocols, like I was in the army. So like if you were breaking rules, you were possibly losing rank and pay. So like this doesn't seem weird to me. Yeah. But also why are you unvaccinated is my question. Because like you get kind of close to people in locker rooms and in practice and in actual games, don't you want to try to keep yourself and your family healthy? Right. And I feel that way about all the sports, not just hockey. Well, then you'll also be happy to hear that the NHL is currently the lowest percentage of vaccinated athletes compared to all the other sports. That would not make me happy. Do you mean lowest percentage of unvaccinated players? No, lowest percentage of vaccinated players. Why would that make me happy? I don't know. Your sport is normally the one leading these types of things with like the bubbles and all that stuff. And now it's just like, nope. I don't know why. Maybe because a lot of them are Canadian and Canada's had an issue with rolling out for the vaccine. I'm trying to give them some leg to stand on here. And they probably have <laughs> They none. really don't. Though I think that will probably incentivize some players. Yeah, losing money is kind of not a fun thing. But still discussing money, we're going to talk about signings that have happened. For this first one, I can't actually talk about the money because I have no idea what the financial terms were for this one. 
But Adam Earn has agreed to a two-year contract with the Detroit Red Wings. This happened on Sunday, so after we had recorded. And one that I think you'll be happy about is Alex Nylander has agreed to terms on a one-year $874,125 contract with the Chicago Blackhawks on Monday. F them for not using a round number. Yeah, I know it's not quite league minimum, but it's like right there. I mean, it's like a solid $124,125 over league minimum. (laughs) So I feel like you can't really call it close, but he didn't play last season after having surgery on December 21st for a torn meniscus in his left knee. I'm assuming he'll be able to play, and that's why he doesn't just have the league minimum. I feel like if he were still unable to skate and do practice, they wouldn't have done that. Well, on top of that, I th- like he's been a guy that either is there or is not. You know, he's one of those guys that's either on fire or he's a good third or fourth line guy. So it's just like, it's unpredictable, I guess, is the best way to put it. But I am happy to have him back because it is nice when he does just flip that switch. Yeah. And then... This next one that I can't pronounce correctly, so you're probably going to correct me on it. Kevin Fiala? You nailed it right on the head. You just got to trust yourself sometimes. No, it's when I don't trust myself that I can actually pronounce things. Yeah. That guy signed a one-year, $5.1 million contract with the Minnesota Wild on Monday. I was hoping you were going to say Minnesota. (laughs) And then UC Soros? Signed a four-year, $20 million contract with the Nashville Predators on Monday. This contract has an AAV of $5 million. Nikita Zadorov signed a one-year, $3.75 million contract with the Calgary Flames on Friday. He was acquired by the Flames in a trade with the Chicago Blackhawks for a third-round pick in the 2022 NHL draft on July 28th. So they haven't had him long, but I guess they need to sign him. Well, he was an RFA, so right. they had signing rights because of the trade. I really think that's a good addition for the Flames. They needed another big-body defenseman, and Zadarov is that. He had more hits than, let's say, quality passes for scoring goals. So, like, if you need a big-body defenseman that will get in the way of shots, he's the right guy. Right. And then there was one last signing, I believe, for the NHL this week. The Canucks signed... Jason Dickinson to a three-year contract with an AAV of $2.65 million. It's what, roughly eight? Yeah, pretty solid amount of money. There's actually one last, last signing. We'll leave it at oh, that. okay. Uh, the Flyers, about all of maybe an hour ago, signed Travis Sanheim to a two-year contract for $9.35 million, which brings it to an AAV of 4.675. Kudos to him. He but long- you're on the Flyers. Yeah. So I was waiting for your stance on that subject, but you know, my stance, he was one of their top two defensemen last year. He had an average time on ice of 22 minutes a game. So pretty key guy to be literally the last player that they needed to sign. Was he going to do arbitration? And then he was right there. He had already requested it. So they just couldn't agree for a while, but most people don't want to do arbitration. So They'll eventually come to something. It usually ends up working out poorly for somebody to an extreme. It's never like really a good middle ground most of the time. This past week also has seen a couple of retirement announcements. The first one of which I'm a little surprised by. I don't want to say I'm very surprised by this because he had heart surgery not that long ago. But Henrik Lundqvist announced his retirement from hockey on Friday after 15 years with the Rangers. 
the 39-year-old goalie finishes sixth on wins list, and he missed last season for the Capitals with a heart issue, that surgery. Right. He ended up finishing his NHL career with a record of 459-310-96, a 2.43 goals against average, a .918 save percentage, and 64 shutouts in 15 seasons with the New York Rangers. It is sad to obviously see him go just because, like, he's been such a staple of the NHL for so many years. I know he's been at the All-Star game a lot, and I know he's pretty much a staple around the league. I really thought he was older than he is because he's only 39, but at the same time, like, for hockey, that's pretty old. Right. And, you know, obviously he still had a few years under his belt before he got to the professional level. It's not like he started at, like, the age of 17 or anything like that. Right. So... And then the other retirement that we have is kind of like an early announcement, half-retirement thing going on. So Rick Gineret will retire as the play-by-play announcer of the Buffalo Sabres after this season. The 79-year-old is entering his 51st season with the Sabres. He is going to end up calling a limited number of games this season before fully retiring at the end of the season. So he's doing like a half season or something like that. It seems like this is the kind of the year for like retiring announcers. Like it seems like a lot of them are just being like done this for a lot of years. Time to tap out. I think with COVID and then obviously the Delta variant, they're just like better to be safe than sorry. I love that you're calling the two different, even though Delta variant is just COVID in a new form. I just mean that like, Obviously, it was a very real big thing that happened March of 2020, but it's not like we're going back to normal now. In fact, things are getting worse now, so I'm not surprised that it's happening now. Right. And then we had news out of Arizona. The Coyotes will remain in the Phoenix area, according to NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman. Who knows how accurate that is, but... That's what he's saying. The city of Glendale announced on Thursday it would not renew its operating agreement with the team at Gila River Arena. Gila. Gila. Gila? Yeah. That's a G. No, but yes, it's also Arizona, which is very close to Mexico. True. And the Gila River. Makes sense. Yeah. As a part of a year-by-year lease agreement between the Coyotes and Glendale, Either party was able to decide not to renew for an additional year. I don't know why you would do a year-by-year lease anyway, but, like, that part's especially not great. Well, as a whole, the Coyotes have never had tons of money. Well, yes. They take on empty contracts just to make league minimum sometimes, so... Well, it's almost like you've got a hockey rink in the middle of a desert. You're not going to have a ton of hockey fans in Arizona, I don't feel. They actually fill their stadium out pretty well. Well, now, but if you remember years ago, like before they got this new owner that they have. Yeah, it was rough to watch sometimes. It was often a very empty stadium. And like ticket prices had to go up for a while because the new owner wanted to be able to have the money to try to do things so that they could fill the seats. So like one of the big deal breakers, I guess, for the Coyotes was the fact that they wanted to do renovations on the stadium. Yeah. And they were requesting some funds from the city since they were upgrading the city's property and the city was like, nah, we're good. Yeah. And it's just like, that's crazy to me. So I don't, I know you haven't personally been to the Glendale Sports Complex, but 
I have, and they also have the Arizona Cardinals right there as well. So, like, everything is right next to each other. So it's like, it just makes sense for it to be there. So So. do you think it'll turn into a game of chicken before they end up signing a lease somewhere else or they sign there and get money for renovations? Well, the the owner and president as well have both come out for the Coyotes and said that they're still trying to make it work with with the um, city. But the reality is, before they were ever there, they played in the same stadium that the Phoenix Suns play in, which... Honestly, is in a better part of town, so yeah. it's like not as far away from downtown Phoenix. Well, they were also probably able to negotiate a better lease. Yeah, at least financially. The main concern would be then you're sharing it with three teams, though, because the WNBA team also plays in that arena, and as they should, it would be a lot of switching of things. I feel well, like plus the schedule would be insane. I'm sure. Yeah, but the commissioner has said that they're gonna stay in the town they're in now, no matter what. So, like, I don't know what options he's looking at and the Phoenix team is looking at, but, sorry, the Arizona team. They were the Phoenix Coyotes for a while. I believe Gary Bettman about as far as I can throw him. He has a tendency to say a lot of things. Like, we weren't expecting an expansion draft again so soon. He was pretty adamant about that not happening for probably about another decade, and then all of a sudden, guess what's here? So, I don't know. He saw dollar signs what happened. Well, do you blame him? Yeah. I don't. It is his job to make it run as a business, so. But speaking of things I don't approve the NHL doing for money, because here's the thing. The NHL have announced that they're going to allow teams to feature advertisements on jerseys starting in the 22-23 season. Apparently, the ads have to fit a rectangle that's 3 inches by 3.5 inches. So, like, not huge, but still, like, where are we? Are we in Europe watching hockey? What's happening? So, last season, they did allow teams to have advertisements on the helmets of the team. I don't know if you ever noticed them. I know I didn't, but they were there, supposedly. So Were they on the back? I have n- I'm not sure. Because I feel like I did notice stickers on the back. I, I can tell you that I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I know that a lot of the leagues in the United States are finally taking that under consideration. The last two really holding out are the MLB and the NFL, and obviously the NHL is not holding out anymore because they did the helmet thing last year. So, But I feel like the only reason they're even considering it is the whole COVID thing happened and they lost a lot of money. Oh, absolutely. They're trying to recoup as much as they can. And I don't approve. Like, I don't even like all the ads that are on, like, they projected on the ice and they projected on the screen and they projected on the glass and they have those banners on the boards. Like, I think that's enough. Like, that's more than enough advertisement. You don't need to put it on your players. <laughs> they are not race cars. Do you watch soccer? Not unless you make me. Well, like, your team has a sponsor, though. I know. Okay. And it's way bigger than the NHL's planning on doing it. I also know that. Yeah. I don't think it's as big of a deal as some of the sporting world is taking it, but I guess that's just my perspective. Moving into the NFL, there are some things health-wise and some things COVID-wise, so we're going to start there for the NFL. As far as COVID goes, something I actually approve of in the NFL, the Las Vegas Raiders are going to require proof of COVID vaccination from all fans attending home games in 2021. 
This is being enacted in accordance with a new emergency directive from Nevada Governor Steve Sisotak. Sisolak? Oh, is that now? Yeah. Sisolak? <laughs> yes. Regarding large events, which was announced on Monday. This will allow them to operate at full capacity without masks for fully vaccinated fans for the entire season. Attendees will be asked to provide this information through an app and health pass feature. Any unvaccinated fans will have the opportunity to receive vaccinations on site prior to home games, permitting newly vaccinated fans to attend wearing a mask. So you still have to wear a mask, but you can't come in if you don't get vaccinated at all. Yeah, I, I think the craziest thing for me is the Raiders are kind of known for having, like, the trashiest fans, so I'm kind of shocked that, like, of all the teams that's setting the standard, well, it's, like, good for you. I know it's the state that's probably forcing them, yeah. but still, it's just, like, taking it that extra distance to add in, like, we'll offer you vaccinations before the game. Right. Because I guarantee you the state isn't the one funding that situation. Probably not, but... If you are someone who regularly goes to games and you're not vaccinated, but you find out you have to to go to this one, you'll probably be attending games with getting the vaccine. To continue on some good team news related to COVID-19, the Atlanta Falcons became the first team in the NFL to be 100% vaccinated. Nice. They crossed that threshold this morning. Their Did last they get a gold star? Got their last dose. Single pan pizzas for everyone? Yes. Yeah, most people won't get that reference, but to those that do, enjoy it. <laughs> you know. But also the Buffalo Bills OT, Dion Dawkins. What does OT stand for? Overtime. No. Offensive tackle. Yes, thank you. Talked about his recent COVID experience. He explained that he was hospitalized for four days while he was sick. He was apparently partially vaccinated at the time when he was hospitalized, so he had one shot fully in his system, and then one that he had just gotten when he tested positive. Yeah, it was like two days before he tested positive for it. So he wasn't fully inoculated. Yeah, he came out and stated that he kind of hoped that he had been completely vaccinated before he got sick with it, but he goes he's glad that he had at least one of the shots because he goes it definitely helped make it better for him. That is good. Yeah. As far as player health goes, the New York Jets defensive end Carl Lawson suffered a ruptured Achilles tendon during practice on Thursday. He is set to miss the 2021 season. When you have a ruptured anything, I'm not surprised. Particularly the Achilles. It's kind of an important thing to have while you play football. Not be ruptured. It was really his Achilles. Yeah, literally. And everybody can enter the drum, but don't shh now for your joke there. We also have some sad news for the Chicago Bears and their fans. Yeah, it's not the greatest news. Luckily, we just signed a guy last week, which you talked about. So I'm kind of okay. Like, I'm worried. It still sucks to be down this guy because he was our second pick of the draft, and we literally traded up to get him. So Their OT, Tevin Jenkins, will undergo back surgery next week and is expected to either return in November or miss the entirety of this next season. Yep. I always, like, I wonder why people are optimistic with back surgeries, because it never is a fast process. I would just back. assume the longest amount of time. Yeah. And then there were a couple trades that happened this past week. The Carolina Panthers have traded OT Greg Little to the Miami Dolphins for a 2022 seventh round pick. I don't love picks for players, so I don't know about this deal. It's pretty common in the NFL 
I would say more so than most sports because there's just so much talent coming into the draft. Like a seventh round pick doesn't necessarily mean you're not getting a good player. You're just right. not getting the guy you're looking for probably. I do have a question for you though. Go for it. Why is all the news this week about offensive tackles? I don't know. Do you find it offensive? No. Okay. I couldn't think of a joke, so I just said no. (laughs) And another trade came out of Green Bay. They have traded cornerback Josh Jackson to the New York Giants for cornerback Isaac Iadon. Your guess is as good as mine. I've never heard of this guy before your notes. Apparently, they were both cornerbacks for the same draft year, so they're just tradesies. Like, ah, we don't really want him... Oh, we really don't want him. Perfect. All right, let's just make this happen. Yeah. And I only found one signing this past week. I don't know if you were able to find any more. The Seattle Seahawks and Jamal Adams have agreed to a four-year, $70 million extension with $38 million guaranteed. I believe this makes him the highest paid in his position, and it was a little bit ridiculous. That is a pretty intense contract. Right? And then I guess we had the opposite happen, the opposite of a signing, because the Detroit Lions have released a long snapper, Don Mulbach, Mm -hmm. and it happened on his 40th birthday, apparently, so, like, happy birthday. Yeah, the coach uh, used some profanity. Of course, our lovely, good old-fashioned Lions head coach, who just likes to make absolute scenes at every single one of his press conferences. Did he bring a lion in to do it? No, thank God. Yeah. But he... He was like, I'm sorry that I was an a-hole. I shouldn't have done it on his birthday. Like, what was I thinking? And then he goes, oh, I guess that's just who I am, is literally what he said during the interview. And I'm like... You're just a jerk? I guess. Like, I was like, well, all right, that's like a That's thing. a choice? Yeah. But what's a real bummer about it is he was there for 17 years, so it's not like he was by any means a short-lived player in that organization. I would have hoped he would have respected his players a little bit more than that. And the last bit of the NFL news that I have for the week is that Minnesota Vikings linebacker Cameron Smith has announced his retirement on Wednesday. This is following a positive COVID test in August of 2020 when he found out he needed surgery to repair a congenital heart defect. And I did have one last bit of news from the NFL to kind of wrap us up on the NFL for the week. Former Titans GM Floyd Reese passed away today after losing his battle with cancer. He was only 73 years old. He's the winningest GM in franchise history with 111 career wins. He started as a GM when they were still the Houston Oilers. Oh, okay. Before they moved the franchise to Tennessee. So he was with them for a while. Yeah. In the world of the MLB, you're going to have to fill me in on a lot of news, apparently, because I only found two things that were actual news. What's funny is I didn't find one of them, but I did the other, obviously, so... So, literally, we have two things to talk about for the MLB? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Out of the things that you found, I only found one of those things, is what I meant by that, so... You're in for a ride. Oh, yay. Longtime pitcher Nate Jones has announced his retirement from the MLB at 35 years old. He began his career in 2012, but he was selected by the Chicago White Sox in the fifth round of the 2007 MLB draft. He remained with the Sox through the 2019 season before signing a minor league deal with the Cincinnati Reds. I guess that didn't go well. Well, yeah, he didn't do well in the minor leagues, but... 
for a long time, he was probably one of the biggest key pieces in our bullpen. I would say shy of, like, maybe our closer, Bobby Jenks. Okay. So, like, between the two of them, it was always Nate Jones coming in, like, the seventh inning, and then Bobby Jenks would come in in the eighth of the night to close it out. And it was exciting to watch those two guys go back-to-back because it was like if you had the lead, it was almost a guarantee you were winning the game because they were just both so lights out that... It was just sad to see the dynamic duo go a number of years ago. Obviously, Bobby Jenks moved along a lot sooner than Nate Jones did, so closers usually do. They kind of get shuffled around a little more. Yep. And the next thing that I have, I actually want you to go ahead and tell us about because <laughs> I the name. <laughs> will not say it right. I've tried it before on the podcast multiple times, so lead the way. NBA star Giannis became a part owner of the Milwaukee Brewers on Friday. He becomes the first new individual investor in the Brewers ownership group since Mark Antanasio took control of the team in 2005. Yeah. That was a fun also name I didn't see before I started that one. Hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, it looked like Mark Antanasio. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. He ended up becoming a majority owner in 2005, and then since then, it's been like adding groups and not individual investors with a lot of money. It makes sense, though. It's kind of becoming more and more of a common thing to see athletes taking ownership in other local sports teams. Right, right. Like, there we go into Patrick Mahomes. And he's been there for a while, right? It's not like... He was drafted by the Bucks. His entire career has been there in Milwaukee. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. A lot of pundits will say that he needs to go to a bigger market, but he's always been that guy that's just loyal. Like, they gave him a shot with a risk, like, way late in the draft, and in turn it's paid off. So it's like, you know, good choices. This week they had a new record-setting auction for a sports memorabilia card. Oh, yeah. A rare Honus Wagner card sells for $6.6 million, which shatters the previous record of $5.2 million for a Mickey Mantle card and the LeBron James card that we talked about a couple weeks ago that tied the record. I don't know who this person is. Most people don't know who he is. Oh, okay. So I'm not the only one. But he did play in Pittsburgh, so I thought that was a reason to bring it up for you. But it was from the era when baseball cards were actually multi-year cards, usually speaking. They only made them of significant players that were playing for multiple years. So you'd get like three years worth of stats in one go. So it was like uh, 1909 to like 1911, I believe, baseball card. So pretty old, to say the least. Yeah. There's about 60 of them known to exist in the world actively right now. Most of them rank a 2 or less out of 10 rating for quality. This one ranked a 3, and they said realistically it should have been listed as a 4. They got a little gypped on the quality of it. But uh, there's been nothing ever higher than that condition-wise ever sold. Just because of how how old they are, the cards, or how... Realistically. I'm just wondering about the quality. Like, were they just not printed as well or it was an early baseball card so it could have been anything but age i would imagine has something to do with it obviously paper that old does not look new by any means so you're a book person you understand that at least a little bit well also probably they weren't handling it with care the first like decade of this card's life so right not like people treat baseball cards nowadays or even in the 90s i feel like i saw a lot of baseball card collecting in the 90s yeah Also this week, Joey Votto of the Cincinnati Reds hit his 2,000th career hit this week against the Chicago Cubs. 
It was another loss for the Cubs. They were on a pretty good run. They finally finished that one up. I think it ended at 11 or 12 game losing streak. So it was a pretty rough run from when they sold out all their players. So, And then Max Fried of the Atlanta Braves threw his first complete game. It ended in a shutout with only four hits against the Orioles who had picked up their 16th straight loss with that game. Like, if you have to do it, I guess, you know, the Orioles probably aren't a bad team to try to reach your first complete game, especially the way they've been playing lately, so. And then the MLB announced this week that they will be hosting another game at the Field of Dreams Stadium in Iowa next season. The game will be between the Cubs and the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, I saw this. And then the last bit of baseball news I have is going to be about Braves first baseman Freddie Freeman. He hit for his second cycle in his career. He's only the second player in organization history to have more than one. So pretty cool for him to crack that one. In the post-game interview, he was asked kind of what got you to be able to hit the cycle. You know, what was the big thing that made it happen for you? And he goes, well, we're on the road and I was traveling with my wife and my wife ordered this cappuccino drink for me that was a little stronger than I normally get. And so he thanked his wife nationally for buying him a cappuccino for hitting for the cycle. And then, You know that's real love. And then the sports reporter was immediately like, message to you, go get him more cappuccinos. We yeah. need more cycles. <laughs> but then his body will just get used to it. Yeah. So no. I shouldn't say that was the last news I guess I have. The Oakland Athletics pitcher Chris Bassett was hit by a line drive in the face. He only ended up suffering a displaced tripod fracture, which it was in his right cheek, I guess. I think I showed you the video of it. It was a line drive immediately back to the pitcher's head. And right. Immediately they took him out out of concerns for, like, concussions. But that was pretty much all the damage he had. So he'll have facial surgery at some point this week to repair that. And then from there, they're expecting him possibly back by the playoffs. So it must not be that bad of an injury, I guess. I guess. But the main concern originally when they took him off the field was like loss of vision, all the things that can really bad happen when a baseball hits you at 100 plus miles an hour in the face. It's good that he's doing okay. And then I had one signing. The Braves signed Travis D'Arnaud to a two-year $16 million contract. His contract also includes a third-year option for $8 million. The whole contract has a no-buyout clause, so he wants to play all two seasons no matter what. Like, I guess that's interesting. Well, it's only two seasons. Yeah, so it's not, like, that long of a no-buyout It'd be weird if it was, like, a 13-year contract, no-buyout. Yeah, he's like, nah, I don't want you to ever pay me off to get off the roster. Like, no. And then in the NBA, we also have some COVID-related news. Seems like it's going to be the time of year where everyone is coming up with what they're going to do for the next season. For the Miami Heat, they announced on Friday that all employees must be in the process of becoming fully vaccinated against COVID by September 1st. Of course, exemptions are available for those with a qualifying medical condition or what they're calling a sincerely held religious belief. So you can't say that your belief in the spaghetti monster keeps you from getting vaccinated. But the spaghetti monster says it's not safe. You're seeing a spaghetti monster. I don't think that's your primary problem. Okay. Employees who have not met vaccination requirements by that date will not be allowed to work. And if they remain non-compliant, eventually will be considered to have resigned, is what it says. So I guess you abandoned your job, basically, if you're not vaccinated by that point or shortly thereafter. Makes sense. Yeah. I completely agree with doing this, so. 
And the NBA has announced the schedule for the 21-22 regular season. The season tips off on October 19th and will conclude on Sunday, April 10th of 2022. The full schedule is up on the NBA website. Apparently, this is the 75th year or something like that. So they're doing what they're calling like the key matchups for the 75th. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, so there are a bunch of, you know, rivalries and stuff they're doing special games for with special televised stuff. So, and I believe they said something like 75 games, it might be 100, are being televised on NBA TV. Oh man, that's a lot, I think. I don't know. I can't speak to it, I guess. That doesn't sound like a lot. Yeah. There were some signings this week as well. The Boston Celtics signed Marcus Smart to a four-year $77 million extension. That was smart of them. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) If you only knew what position he played and how well he played, he played really well, so that's why he obviously got his contract extension. But uh, the 76ers also signed Joel Embiid to a four-year 196 Supermax extension contract. So... I don't know what that means. It's as much as you can possibly get. So, like, you have a max contract tier. But then you have the ultra, super, double max. No, just the super max, (laughs) but yes, yeah. Uh, The Charlotte Hornets also re-signed Terry Rosier uh, Rosier to a four-year contract worth $97 million, which was a max contract, not super max contract. Yeah. And then, finally, the Detroit Pistons signed RFA... Hamadou Diallo to a two-year, $10.4 million contract. I feel like I did pretty good with that name. That one was kind of tricky spelling, but I think I got it. Maybe. I will say for sure that you tried. Okay. And the last bit of NBA news I have, uh, the Celtics announces they're going to be retiring Kevin Garnett's number five jersey on March 13th, 2022. So he was a pretty big staple to their championship runs in the 2000s. So it just makes sense that... It's time to retire his number, especially considering he, I believe he was just inducted into the Hall of Fame either this year or last year, so pretty recently. But I think that leads us to your favorite MLS news. Actually, it does not because this week there's nothing newsworthy out of the MLS. You do, of course, have matchups going on and people are moving up and down the table, but no real news news. This is my shocked face. I know they can't see it on the podcast. I feel like they can feel it, though, <laughs> for sure. So I know that you had trouble with the fact that we're recording the evening before we normally record. Put it this way, Match Week 2 doesn't technically wrap up until tomorrow, probably close to like noon for both leagues. So I'll talk about what happened while we were gone. Okay. So we'll start with the Premier League. Obviously, it's Match Week 2 actively. Tomorrow, Manchester United will be playing Southampton. They will obviously have played by the time you listen to the recording, but they will be playing for us tomorrow. And Brentford, like, they beat Arsenal last week, and everybody kind of expected it to be, like, kind of a one-off fluke. Uh, But they're still holding it together. They're holding their own actively in the top tier. They picked up a draw against Crystal Palace, and that's that's still a tough team to play. Right. So, you know, Crystal Palace is usually a top five or six team, so the fact that they've held their own against two top five or six teams now, it's pretty... Pretty impressive so far by them. Their next match is going to be against Aston Villa on the 28th. Newcastle United sadly lost today 2-0 to to Aston Villa. We are starting the season with a donut, 0-2. So it's just a great way to start the season. So if the O is a donut, what is the 2? A weird donut. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's not a pretty thing. You don't want 2s in the loss column with no wins. Yeah. 
as it sits right now, we're in relegation, but obviously there are still many, many weeks to go. Right. But gosh, the way we're playing this year, like I don't want to be relegated, but I would agree there's a chance that there's a chance it could happen. And it's nerve wracking. I feel like for you guys, there's just kind of always a small lingering chance. Well, the, the reality of it is is the organization has been trying to be sold now for about five straight years. And so Mike Ashley every year is like, do I invest money in this team or do I just let it fail? Like, I really don't want to put my money in and blah, 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 blah. But I don't know. It's a mess. Hopefully we'll get to actually get out of arbitration next off season and maybe have a new owner, which actually cares to spend money to build the quality of the team. But... To wrap up the top five actively in the Premier League, you have Liverpool in first with six points, with Brighton behind them, Hove Albion, which is just crazy to me. They both have six points. Everton in third, Brentford in fourth, Manchester City in fifth, Manchester United in sixth. Obviously, if you guys win tomorrow, you'll jump to the front of the table just because of goal differential. You guys are leading the pack in that category, so... right. Uh, More than likely, you guys will be first by the end of the day tomorrow, barring any surprises. But speaking of surprises, Bundesliga match week two has been exciting-ish, but not so much for Dortmund, it seems. It's been a rough week. You started the week by losing the Super Cup to Munich 3-1. I was wondering how long it would take to get to that. And then today, you dropped a 2-1 loss to Freiburg? Like I just, I, I said it like I don't believe it because it just doesn't make sense in my head. It's because it doesn't make sense outside of your head either. It's the first time you guys have lost to Freiburg in 11 years. You've either drawn or won every meeting for 11 years. So you just took out the salt shaker completely and just right on the wound. Yes, I'm here for you. But like Manchester United, Bayern Munich doesn't play until tomorrow. They play FC Köln at the Allianz Arena at 10.30 a.m. Central Time. So, And actively for the standings right now as it sits... You have Wolfsburg in first place, Bayer Leverskin in second, Freiburg in third, Hoffenheim in fourth, Red Bull Leipzig in fifth, Dortmund in sixth, and Bayern Munich in twelfth. Obviously, we have a game in hand, so we'll see where we end up tomorrow. Right, but, right. Um, that is a weird top of the table, though. Yeah, well, with a win, it would literally take Bayern from twelfth to third. So it's it's a pretty big swing right, possibility right. tomorrow, so we'll have to wait and see. Because it's so early in the season. Right. And I know last year we both started poorly, both Bayern Munich and Dortmund, and we finished at the top of the table, so it's really not something to worry about, I guess, at this very moment. Right. But that is all the news for the week. We will not be around next week because we are spending time with family and whatnot, but we'll be back the week after that. And in the meantime, stay up on the social medias. There will be things being posted on the Instagrams and the Twitters. And links to all those things will be in the show notes. And we'll catch you on Thursday for the book episode. Bye, guys. Bye.